0: All right, this time I'm going to scream into the thing instead of the clap, okay? And it's going to be a short scream. You ready?
1: Ready. All right,
0: let me click record too. All right, I've clicked record. You guys clicked record?
1: Yep. Yep, still recording.
0: Three, two, one. Yep! (laughs) Okay.
1: (laughs) I think that's going to turn out real nice. (laughs)
2: On today's episode of the TV Yearbook, we discuss science fiction plagiarism, Mike Tyson's punch-out rules, and that this show actually won Emmys. So don't touch that dial. The TV Yearbook starts now.
0: Hello, hello, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 5 of the TV Yearbook, a podcast about the best and worst episodes of iconic television shows. I am your first host, Greg. Greg.
1: And I'm your second host, Dom. In each episode of the TV yearbook, we pick a popular TV show from the past and use the internet to find its best episode and its worst episode. Mm
0: -hmm. Then we'll
1: discuss and provide analysis of a certain quality, a very certain (laughs) quality, of the two episodes of the past through the lens of today. And just like your high school yearbook gave superlative awards such as most likely to die in a knife fight and least likely <laughs> to have major death anxiety and spend his or her life savings freezing their brain in a capsule next to Walt Disney. Wow.
0: At the end of our show, we'll give
1: our superlative <laughs> That's awards. That's oddly specific.
0: Yes. Did you read James's yearbook? (laughs) No comment.
2: That's right, Dom. And I am your third host, James. In season two of the TV yearbook, we've been looking at sci-fi shows from the late 80s into the 90s. Our show today ran for five seasons, starting in 1993. It set the bar for makeup and hairstylings and visual effects at the time and won multiple awards for it. It spawned multiple spinoffs and made-for-TV movies, it also was one of the first shows ever to employ long-form story arcs telling a coherent, that's in quotes, five-year story over (laughs) 522 episodes. Our show today is Babylon 5. Babylon 5 was created by Murder, She Wrote movie writer. J. Michael Straczynski. Do you guys know that there was a movie of Murder, She Wrote?
0: I didn't. No, I only watched the show. But anyway... I mean, I never watched the show. <laughs> the show
2: follows a crew of human military staff and alien diplomats aboard the giant five-mile space station, which was built mm. after years of war between human and alien races. The station was created to serve as a diplomatic hub where humans and aliens could work out their differences peacefully. Hmm. Hub. It's a home away from home for <laughs> diplomats, hustlers, entrepreneurs, and wanderers. And while there was a Babylon 1, 2, 3, and 4... This is the story of the last of the Babylon Stations. While we are not going to talk about the entire series, we're only going to talk about the best and worst episodes. And we start with the best, which is Season 3, Episode 10, Severed Dreams. And Greg is going to give us a strict... 92nd recap.
0: Oh, come on James. This is like the best episode. There's so much going on. We'll speed it up. All right, we're going to speed it up. Here we go. This is kind of a part 2 episode, but basically we're no. no. Don't do that kind of a part two episode almost, but basically we're at an intense part of the story arc, where the president of Earth, Morgan Clark, has declared martial law, dissolved the Senate, and is consolidating his power. Mars and a few other systems have declared independence from Earth, so Clark orders an attack that kills civilians on Mars to prevent their independence. Babylon 5 watches this on the news before the feed is shut down by Clark's goons. Meanwhile, some ships are loyal to Clark, some are loyal to the Constitution, such as the EAS Alexander, which reluctantly destroys the E S Clarkstown. The Alexander then comes to Babylon 5 for repairs, which means Captain Sheridan is going to have to pick sides. Eventually, the EAS Churchill joins the fray, warning that Clark is sending a fleet to capture Babylon 5 to arrest Sheridan and then take over. Meanwhile, one of our other species, the Minbari, and the leaders of their Grey Council have seemingly decided to go all isolationist. Delyn, our Minbari main cast member, goes to the Grey Council to convince them to step in. And she convinces five of the nine members of the council to help. So back at Babylon 5, the loyalist ships arrive and the battle begins. They board the station. They fight hand-to-hand with station security forces. In space, the firefight is also intense. Several ships are destroyed, including the Churchill, and it looks pretty bad for Babylon 5. But at the last minute, the Minbari reinforcements arrive thanks to Delyn and the rest of the Loyalist forces flee. The battle for independence is won, and so Captain Sheridan and his crew ponder the future as a station independent of Earth. Ooh. Intense. I
2: have lived a life.
0: So... This episode is the first episode of Babylon 5 I have ever watched. Obviously, there are just lots of different races. And there was a moment at the beginning of the episode, guys, when there's a Centauri guy who is criticizing the Narn, just saying that they're bad, they're the worst, etc. And then, one of the Narn, he overhears it. So my question for you all is, has there ever been a moment in your life when you've said something and you didn't think anyone would overhear, but precisely the wrong person overheard
2: the only thing that i can think of was in my youth when my brother and i were visiting my dad i was watching tv and my dad was making dinner and we were fighting about something and at the time i had just learned what giving the finger is and so with his back (laughs) turned Oh, I gave it to him. (laughs) And then he turned around unexpectedly (laughs) and saw my gesture. Yeah. How did that end? I don't remember him doing anything because I think I immediately (laughs) my pants and
1: (laughs) he knew that was punishment enough. So I have something maybe close. I was meeting my stepbrother's girlfriend. It was like a big family thing where she came over and. And I was talking about how my mom wanted to name me a name (laughs) that I thought was ridiculous. And I'm so glad that I wasn't named that. And it was his girlfriend's name. And and later, my wife was like, you realized when you kept saying how terrible a name that was, you weren't putting it together that that was her name. And I was like, oh, (laughs) yeah. They broke up. So it's all good. (laughs) 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 They'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: the the only memory, and this actually doesn't involve I'm not one of the people in the story But I was at this wedding one time And you know how some people Think they're whispering Yeah, I don't remember if it was <laughs> when the bride was walking down the aisle Or when the bridesmaids were walking down the aisle All I know is this woman whispered Way too loud I hope this works
1: out. (laughs) And and I know that several
0: rows could hear her.
1: (laughs) That's why we're here, Um, (laughs) Dana. Well,
2: I'm pleased to say that Melissa and I are still together. (laughs) That's
0: why we got you such a cheap gift. (laughs) Sorry. It's a good thing this stopped when it did. We couldn't take
2: much
1: more. Oh, no. In that opening, one of the opening scenes, we had an actor named Bruce McGill.
0: Oh, Bruce McGill is awesome.
1: As Greg pointed out, like this is kind of the ending of a, of an arc, a two or three episode arc where a bunch of... Pro-Clark uh, and anti-Clark forces, really. Clark being the dictator. The emperor. Mm-hmm. The emperor, thank you. So Bruce McGill like, apparently was asked for by name. really? Yeah, by the creator, except he said, get me that McGill guy because there, there was another McGill guy named Everett. McGill, who had a a body of work which I was not familiar with, but he's kind of a he has a stronger jaw. He's thin, and he's he has a very strong jaw. And he's kind of a kind of a a villainous look, but very. That's who the creator wanted. And that's what he wants. So, this, so Bruce McGill shows up and he, who had been, he thought, asked for by name. <laughs> and so apparently there is some like confusion around this. But to me, this is the beginning of many, many, many more criticisms to come uh, that I have. But I wanted to, to put that out there as a little speck of, of research.
0: They made the right choice, though. Like Bruce McGill, of all like minor character actors in Hollywood, he's top five. Oh, I, yeah. I love his voice and I think he's just outstanding. So he showed up. They thought it was a mistake. It was the best decision they ever made. I
2: remember him as the sheriff in My Cousin Vinny. Oh, he was. Oh, he was. (laughs) Yeah. And he was
0: phenomenal. He was phenomenal. He's awesome. That is one of my favorite Southern judge-related comedies of all time.
1: (laughs) One of my top.
2: (laughs) Well, as we get into the opening theme after they set the stage, I remember when we were first planning this season... I kind of assumed that this show was just going to be kind of a copycat of Star Trek The Next Generation. But this is not a copycat. But I like the the intro where they kind of give the history of what's going on. But I really like the introduction with all the pictures. Yeah. Normally it's just the names, but this, like, they put pictures. And I noticed this one guy, Jeff Conaway. Mm-hmm. He wasn't in this episode. He wasn't in the worst episode. We never see him in any of these episodes. And I absolutely thought that he was Jake Jarmel from Seinfeld. Oh. The guy who gets hit by the car and the lane stops for Juji Fruits. You know that episode? I do. He also okay. has the glasses that are really enviable. Exactly. So I looked up this guy, Jeff Conaway. And he's not Jake Jarmel. They don't even look remotely close to each other. (laughs) But I also noticed that Jeff Conaway starred in an early 80s show called Wizards and Warriors.
1: Sounds familiar, but I can't. It
0: sounds like something that you would love watching in 1981, James.
1: Well, I'm going to tell you, one of my favorite characters of the show
2: was a character named Prince Dirk Blackpool. He was played by an actor named Duncan Regehr. No. Who was also Ronan.
1: No. So are you serious? Yes. <laughs> Come on. James. Ronan from our Star Trek The Next Generation. Everything comes back to Star Trek. <sighs> I, I disagree. I mean I, the opening did not have me at all. You didn't like the pictures? I thought it was forgettable. It was fine. Tom. It was fine.
0: You didn't like it when they nodded at you
1: slightly in their pictures? It looked like Fox's NFL beginning of the game. <laughs> where they're they're blinking at you in a weird way and I don't I don't need it. Would you have liked it better if there was a robot dancing while they were doing that? <laughs> I don't
2: know. Our family hates the robot. Anyway, I had to get the Ronin connection in there. Madness. Total and complete madness.
1: One of the things I thought was hilarious as this episode opens, it it looked to me like Zoobily Zoo, that show. I don't know if you remember that. I think it was 80s into the 90s. People (laughs) dress up as, as animals with really horrible costumes. It's really worth Googling. Is it? How is the show a ripoff of Zoobly Zoo? There's too many types of alien in the show. I like you said, maybe they won some awards. No, not maybe. They did. <laughs> fine.
2: They won multiple Emmys and other lower tier awards for makeup and costumes and hairstyling
1: and visual effects. The next shot we see these these ships, they are in the shape of the X-Wing. I mean they have some slight differences, but they're did star you guys series? Yeah, but I mean, it's an X Wing.
2: They don't look like an X Wing. Rip off City. No and one then... would look at that ship and think, Oh, this looks exactly like an
1: X Wing. My son watched it with me. I did not influence him <laughs> at all. My my daughter comes in and says, What are you guys watching? He's like, This weird show where they're trying to pretend <laughs> to be Star Trek and Star Wars. Look at that X-Wing. He literally said exactly that. Well, it was in the shape of an X. I'll, I'll give you that. Okay, it was in the shape of an X. <laughs> the next, though, there's a point where one ship is going to ram into the other ship. To me, it was a Spaceballs ripoff. It looked like the big vacuum, the, the maid. I don't think you watch the same shit. When show. it rams into, <laughs> the angle at the end after it rams, it looks... Like, were you watching meatballs? <laughs> this could be this, could, no.
2: Well, before we keep moving on, this show was successful. I mean, it went for five seasons. Yes, that's a bar of
1: success. Do you know how they did that by making episodes worthy of five seasons? No, by continuing to say, Here's our budget, and continuing to every year coming in under budget. And they went back to the studio and said, look, we're doing so well. We can keep going. We're not losing money. And they said,
2: OK. Oh, so okay. you're criticizing them for being good stewards of
1: their finances. I no, I, I'm i see. saying, no, I'm not. I'm not criticizing that. But I think you're much definitely the show. holding it against them. Well, that is how they kept going. I'm not holding it against them. I'm explaining I mean, why what, it wasn't canceled after the first season.
2: Let me say this. Greg and I made a very under-budget TV show in college, <laughs> and we oh. did not get picked up for five seasons.
1: Yeah. We did
0: not. That's Even true. though we were – is there such a thing as under-budget as in below zero
1: value? What's I mean? your budget?
0: <laughs> well, it actually was
2: below zero because I bought the camera – We filmed the episodes, and then I promptly returned said camera to Walmart.
0: Oh, (laughs) I remember that. Oh, my goodness. Walmart takes back anything. Doesn't matter. This craft soda's already been drunk. Oh.
1: (laughs) Well, we're in it now.
2: I didn't know, Greg, that fan head at the beginning was a Centauri. <clears throat> so I, yeah. I had to go look up what the <laughs> Centauri was. And I went on a fan Wikipedia page. And I've got to say, this is the most extensive thing I have ever seen, which to me gives credence to the strong following that this show has. So a fun fact about the Centauri is that the males have a 6 Tentacled genitalia that can stretch for several feet oh. <laughs> and i'm just gonna say you don't get
1: this kind of storytelling depth in star trek the next generation well, Star Trek is wonderful because it has a m- more of a subtle storytelling. It l- leaves more to your imagination. But
0: the
2: fact that well, that's
0: even a thing that's just in the show. Do you have an octopus in your pocket? <laughs> <laughs> He's going to
2: show me where my heart is. And maybe I'll show him a little something too. So Delenn ends up going to the Grey Council of the Minbari, asking for help. And she gives this... Scathing speech The speech is too many words I glazed over I can't bring myself to believe That this speech that she gave Broke up a council Right, an ancient council That has survived for thousands of years It's
1: ridiculous
0: I did a little deep dive into The Babylon 5 Wikipedia article Just to kind of check out some stuff Because I had the same question, James And in Bottom Line, there's a lot of background in all of the episodes about tensions within the Grey Council, because there's all sorts of different, like, it's a caste system in Minbari society, and so each of the, like, of the nine is coming from a different caste, so uh, she took several of the casts with her, while all of the remaining ones were of a different caste, so these tensions were already there, so that's how they explain it. But, like, this Grey Council scene... If you're interested in filmography, if you're interested in directing, the the camera work in this particular scene I think is phenomenal. If you ever watch The Lion King, there's this great moment at the end. (laughs) And I know it's a cartoon. No, it's both. I know it's lions.
2: Other than cartoon and lions, The Lion King and Babylon 5 are pretty much the same story. I've always said that. I've always
0: (laughs) said that. No, but what happens in that movie is Simba and Scar, are, like, circling each other. And the camera is, like, going around them simultaneously. Yeah. It's yeah. really good camera work. I know it's an animation. But in this one, Great Council sits in a circle. Delenn is standing in the middle of it. And the way they kind of rotate the camera around so she's not looking at the camera. She's looking at individual council members. It is phenomenal camera work. Yeah. It reminded me of of Mary from The Two Towers. And when he's talking to, the, to Treebeard in the trees, he's like, you're a part of this world, aren't you? Oh, yeah. And that's what she's saying to the Minbari Great Council. She's like, you're a part of this universe, aren't you?
1: Aren't you? <laughs> well, I mean, again, there, there's another ripoff. There's a couple of ripoffs here. I mean, one, I disagree. Uh, the camera work, I think that that was standard.
0: Show me another episode where they have good circular camera work like that.
1: How many shows with rings of bag-headed people with bags <laughs> over their faces? Which is another ripoff, by the way. They ripped off the scarecrow character from Batman with the face bags. All of these. Why? Why are these? Why is the ancient, most wise and superior race? Why are they covering their faces with bags? I don't well, how understand. How is it a
2: rip? How is it a ripoff from from Batman?
1: I just the visual, the look.
0: James. But- don't you see what Dom's saying? In Batman, someone puts something over their
1: head, and in Babylon 5, someone puts something over their head. <laughs> Not just something; it's it's a, a thatch. What is that? What is that? <laughs> the, but the material, the material looked burlap. Burlap. Thank you. It's Which burlap? Let me, let me ask this: Which Batman are you referring to? The comics through all Batmans, where Scarecrow the villain shows up. It's this. It's a scarecrow face. They're not scary, obviously. My point is this. (laughs) This is a mishmash of things that this one creator likes to do, and he's trying to make it all fit. And there's just too much going on for me personally.
0: I think Dom is correct in that this is a little bit harder to follow because I watched the episode just fresh. I do nothing about it at all. And I watched it and I was confused. I mean, I will admit that. And then I had to kind of look into it a little bit more because I needed some more contextualization. I had to have that to make this work. And I would say if you want to call that a weakness of the show for new viewers, I would absolutely agree with that. This did feel like there were a few more aliens and those alien worlds had a much more deeper storyline. So I don't know. I would say I agree with Dom on the facts of it, but the opinion that it makes it like bad, I would probably more disagree with that. Fire in the hole. Repeat, fire in the hole. Well,
2: after Delenn gives her speech at the Grey Council to urge them to action, we get another lackluster speech back-to-back. It's when the captain is calling his dad as he's getting ready to go and fight for independence. And I was struck in their call. He asks his son, What is the first lesson I ever taught you? And my first thought was, who does this? Like, <laughs> like, I really sat and thought, what's the earliest thing that I can remember being taught by my dad? And it was, it's okay for hair to grow there.
1: <laughs> That's your first <laughs> lesson.
2: That's the first thing. Uh, the, I should say it's the earliest thing. The earliest Maybe not thing. the first, but the <laughs> earliest
1: thing I can remember my dad teaching me. My first earliest teaching lesson for my Mm. father was if you don't wear your seatbelt, you're an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) I would say it
0: was not a verbal lesson uh, by my dad, but see, my dad loved to chew tobacco. And what do you do is he would chew the tobacco, suck out all the tobacco juice, basically, and then take the chaw out and then roll it up into a little ball and put it on like the table right next to his chair. And when you do that, it looks a lot like raisins. And I loved raisins. And so one day, uh, I don't need to finish the story, but oh, my gosh. And the lesson's clear. Never eat random raisins. I mean, that's just. Never eat random raisins. And to this day, I rarely do that. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> just, oh if it's loose
0: raisins, I'm immediately skeptical.
1: <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought this up, though, James, because I found that incredibly cheesy. The
2: line was, never start a fight, always finish it. The second they said it, I was like, this is going to come up later in the
1: episode as some kind of rallying cry. And of course it was. We're 200 years in the future. I just found it like... Really? That's what you're going to do here? Nah. I mean, pass. Yeah,
2: I agree. It was cheesy, but I was more struck by they're having a conversation. They're giving their almost their last goodbyes. No, I love you at the end.
1: That's what masculinity has uh, the future to look forward to. No thanks. Come on. He's a well, he's 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 a hard man, the captain's dad,
0: because uh, <laughs> the same actor in Seinfeld is the is the farmer that shot a shotgun at Newman because he was making out with his daughter.
2: Oh, is it really that same guy? It's Ron Howard's father. That's the actor. Is it really? Yeah. Rance Howard. I I hear a lot of rances. Your mother
0: doesn't like to think about it. You know how she is. The entire backdrop of this particular season, in this particular arc, is, is pretty much the coup. We have this President Clark who has... Pretty much eliminated democracy. He's eliminated the Senate. There are people who are rebelling. It had some similarities to Star Wars when Palpatine dissolves the Senate. I don't know. This is, this is a wild moment because here we are 260 years. We have a president of, of Earth in this case who is, uh, dismantling democracy, who is basically staging a coup, who has put key people in, mm-hmm. In in key positions throughout Earth's government. And then some people don't like it. They try to resist. And in essence, we see this civil war.
1: And you have this moment when the news is reporting Mars civilians are being killed. I I actually this to me was the best part of the show where this geopolitical situation comes in and we see something like the need for a free press because this Mm -hmm. the news network, I guess, for a whole year had been covering up that this President Clark had become an evil dictator. This, to me, was the most compelling. We see in the future, maybe it's not going to be that much different from the past, where we have problems with not having a free press anymore, which is really concerning. I, I personally hope that our future is more like Sequest and not so much like Babylon 5. There's a scene even where they're bombing Mars and there's, there's a line of they're bombing women and children there. Maybe that will be the future. I just feel like uh, that I like the vision of Star Trek better.
0: Were you all surprised that we were still doing Titanic rules 250 years from now? <laughs>
1: Titanic rules still apply. <laughs> won't start this
2: fight, but by God, we'll finish it. At the end, there's this scene where like the loyalists, the emperor forces latch onto the Babylon and they blow through the side of the wall. And there's this big shootout. And their guns are, like, shooting Ryu's Hadouken fireballs at each other. (laughs) And I just thought it was a great fight. It's close quarters. There was drama. There was a Mm -hmm. complete disregard for personal safety. Everyone's just running out, out in the open, you know? No, I
1: I was unimpressed with that same scene. It was looked like it was filmed in a warehouse and it with no lights. <laughs> People had the same kind of armor and weaponry that we appear to have today is what it looked like to me. Well the
2: amount of death that we see is what should have happened during the A Team
1: firefights at the end. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> True. They did I'll give them that. They did show death and injury like yeah and then like
2: at the end when it all stops there's that scene where they're panning across the ground you see aliens and humans dead on the floor Mm -hmm. yeah Um, this is a good
0: scene i thought the landing party scene was was a great scene because uh and tom you think it was shot in a in a dirty old warehouse that's fair too
2: (laughs) But it was in the brown sector of Babylon Five. Of
1: <laughs> Let's hide. Let's hide down here where the plumbing's real thick. <laughs>
2: Bring us in closer to the enemy. How close? Right down there.
0: So we've talked about this episode quite a bit. So overall, this is considered the best episode of Babylon 5. Do you all well agree with that? Well, I think it's considered one of the best episodes for the same
2: reason that I think Dom doesn't think, because there's an incredible amount of depth to the story. And I think that's one of the things when you first watch it, yes, it is difficult to jump right in. We are in the middle of of season three in the middle of a giant story arc where it has a ton of characters, I think that's to its credit and not something that should be held against it.
1: Well, I won't disagree with you that there is a a deep storytelling element happening here, and that my confusion and my distaste for the episode is colored by that. But I think you can be a good storyteller and have depth to a story. I don't think this episode accomplished that. I thought the acting was poor overall. Yes, the captain was good. I agree with you there. I thought the story was difficult to follow. Uh, Again, I'll give him a pass on that. I thought the makeup and stuff was cool, but I I just had difficulty figuring out and remembering who was who. In the middle of the story, again, that's hard, but the main character that I'm able to feel something for is the captain, and in that scene with the father, you said yourself, that should have been the best part of this episode, and they... They laid an egg.
2: Well, I said it should be a good... I didn't say it should be the best part. I it said was it
1: a, should be the best part. I believe it should be the best part. You said you're disappointed, okay? Yeah,
2: I was disappointed that it wasn't stronger.
1: Yes. Yes, it was disappointing. The main person that we feel the most for is the captain in this episode. And for a a futuristic science fiction show, every time I'm going with Star Trek.
2: Well, first off, the theme of this show and the way that it's constructed is nothing like Star Trek The Next Generation. Star Trek The Next Generation is episodic. You can jump into the middle of Star Trek The Next Generation and understand what's going on. And you can't do that with this. And I think it's something to the credit that this really was one of the first shows ever – to before they even started creating it they had their story like this was going to be a five year story and no show has done that long form storytelling is the norm now and babylon 5 did it first and i think that's something to its credit
0: if i may share my thoughts and i will share them briefly because you all have said a lot and very passionately by the way it's, I didn't think that Babylon 5 would evoke such strong emotions, and it's great.
2: That's your point? Good point. <laughs> well said.
1: I can't believe you're here. Neither can I.
2: Now, for all that I've said, I will agree that it's not the greatest show. Yeah, I don't think it was really that bad. I
1: enjoyed this episode more than I enjoyed the best Star Trek episode. No, I did not like the Star Trek episode, but this this was hard for me to watch. Ooh. <laughs> uh, let's take a breath and get into the worst episode. Well,
2: before we look at the worst
1: episode,
0: Greg, you are enjoying a soda. I am. Tell us about it, please. Fantastic. Last time for our episode of The X-Files, I had a Jaritos fruit punch. And this time I have... Haritos, pineapple, in honor of space. doesn't make sense. Yeah, in honor of space. Well, the, the Babylon 5 kind
2: of looks like a pineapple. That kind of works. And Let's you, say
0: that. It, and sure. I will most definitely tell you how the Haritos pineapple went. It's gone. It's been gone for uh, a very long time.
1: Oh, it must have been. that's a good sign. Yes. Well, Greg, how about give us your 90-second recap for the plot line of the worst episode the worst
0: episode is season one episode 14 tko and in that's stupid i'm aware of it okay in our episode tko We have two different storylines. They are not connected in any way other than the fact that events happen in both of them. So disembarking from a transport ship are two different people with two different storylines. First, let's follow the B story. It's Commander Susan Ivanova's uncle bringing news that her father died, and it's time for the ritual of sitting Shiva, a Jewish ceremony of remembrance where those close to the deceased discuss their loss. Even though Captain Sinclair gives her the time off, Ivanova still resists because her father wasn't the most loving of fathers, but ultimately she decides to proceed with the mourning period pleasing her uncle. Story A done. Or story B done. The storyline A is revolving around Walker Smith, who arrives and hangs out with Security Chief Garibaldi, talking about his glory days as a fighter and how he wants a comeback. He wants to fight in the Mutai, a fierce pugilistic competition with aliens, specifically the Yulu, the Yola, the... No, it's Yulú. The Yulú aliens, as part of his comeback, the Yulú aliens don't let him in until an older Yulú <laughs> until an older Yulú <laughs> tells him there is a way. After the next fight, Walker challenges Gyor, who is the Shorein or the champion, and then they eventually fight. They fight to a draw, and Walker feels like a champion again. That's the episode. Yeah. Wow, that was quick. Yeah, this worst episode had a different theme song. I'm sorry, not a different theme song, but a different theme style without the pictures. And I was wondering if you liked that better or worse. Uh, Well, every season had a different theme. At the beginning,
2: they always give this kind of introduction of the history so far, and every season it changed. Uh, And so the theme song for each season also changed, which typically breaks one of the most traditional rules of television, which is don't change your theme song. Yeah, I didn't notice. he was bored. Already? Already bored. It just started. Bored.
0: He promptly said that it was the most foolish thing that he ever heard, and he had no intention of bending words with a bourgeois little twit who was barely out of diapers. <laughs> I was crushed. Don't be a quitter, Dom. Be like Walker. He never gives up.
2: <laughs> well, we're not going to talk about Walker. We're going to talk about the B story first. Sure. Because when the rabbi shows up, he's wearing a necktie. And that really bothered me. It's 2022. We're still doing this? Are we okay with this wardrobe choice? Yeah, no. I mean, it's one of the hallmarks of futuristic alien movies is that they're all
0: wearing something different. Yeah. <laughs> 2022 is next year, James. 20 yo, this is 22 <laughs> 22. <laughs> oh yeah, 22 20, whatever. 2258.
1: That's what the year is. There you go. Yeah, but I mean I think it's it's supposed to have kind of the uh Uh, If I were a rich man vibe, you know, it's like tradition (laughs) never dies.
0: Tradition!
2: (laughs) I thought her story, which really revolved around dealing with forgiving her father because her father died months ago and she refuses to grieve him and she can't forgive him. And I thought like, her story was just deep. I I thought that they dealt with that kind of grief and just struggle to forgive. I thought that they did it justice. I thought they did it really well.
1: I won't disagree with that. I actually thought her time with her uncle and processing the grief of her father, I thought it was complicated. I thought it was way deeper than the best episode with the captain and his father. I can't disagree with you, even though I want to, I can't, I just can't find a place to. Yes. Uh, There was a line that she was hung up on is her father was not emotionally available to her. But what happened here is her uncle's trying to kind of talk about why her father was the way he was. One of the lines that really stayed with me there was her father may have believed that
2: he said humanity had no business
1: in space until we
0: could learn to live in peace on earth.
1: And that line really struck me. That felt like a true science fiction philosophy.
0: Yeah. Also would be a source of conflict between him and his daughter, who was a spacefarer. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
2: This was a family that not only did her mother um, commit suicide, but also I think her sister was also killed. So there was just a lot of death in her family before she left to, to join uh, whatever the— Earth Alliance, um, I think is what it was called. Sure. And I I think the guy who played her uncle the rabbi, he was the best actor in either of the episodes.
1: Mm. I thought he played it exactly as he should have. He was a perfect laser wolf character from Fiddler. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
2: <laughs> well i'm gonna t- i'm gonna take the win that dom agrees with me that's a great episode <laughs> we're just gonna stop talking about susan and uh we're gonna go to walker smith
1: yes okay so the opening scene we meet walker smith is his name fun so fact
2: walker smith is i i looked this up so sugar ray leonard <laughs> uh-huh the championship boxer from the 50s yeah. his real name no, Walker Smith. Oh, really? So that Sugar Italian. Ray Leonard that old, the fifties? Or oh, I'm sorry, not Sugar Ray Leonard, Sugar Ray Robinson. Ah,
1: okay. Sorry, uh, I that sounds better. That sugar Ray better. Robinson. There's a from lot the of sugar 50s. in boxing. It's too a very, much sugar. A lot of diabetes in that sport. But anyway, so I appreciated that. that little
0: little nod <laughs> to boxing history. Did you say Sugar Ray, <laughs> the '90s artist. Is that who you're talking about too? Sugar Ray.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, just full circle. How wrong did we the get episode, here? <laughs> All right, but if this is
0: some kind of hose job,
1: well, in that scene where we first meet Sugar Ray, no, no, Walker Smith. In that first scene where we, we in the first (laughs) scene where we meet Walker Smith, the boxer. He's reconnecting with his old friend Garibaldi. And so they apparently have a long history when Girardelli asks him about where he's been. He said, no, but I'd still like to hear it from you. It's a long story and a wet one. And I was like, <laughs> is that a phrase I don't know? I had to like call my wife to say, is that something that people know about that phrase? She's like, no, I, I don't know that phrase.
2: <laughs> well, after after he tells him his long and wet story. <laughs> Walker Smith, he goes to the Mutai Dojo to yeah. talk with the Muta Do. This place is only for Mutare. Go.
1: Relax, ET. I'm looking for the Muta Do.
2: He's the uh, guy who's in charge of the fight. When they walk in, again, great makeup all around. And I will say that this is another nod to the depth of their story because now we know. What happened to at least one Of the California raisins Oh, <laughs> Which is Exactly what the Mutado is He's oh just my a goodness. giant uh, Raisin <laughs> out of its box Greg don't
0: you dare eat it Should not surprise <laughs> you That I was not a fan of the California raisins
1: <laughs> I love their music But <laughs> uh, <song>. Raisins No, <laughs> uh, no more raisins. I mean okay but help me out here this is a martial art MMA, that yes. is developed by some other alien race, has nothing right. to do with Earth, and it just so happens to be called Muay Thai, which is an existing... No, Muay okay. Thai. Muay Thai, Muay Thai, where you put the syllable.
0: <laughs> it's not very Thai. <laughs> <I> mean... <laughs>
1: it's a rippy <laughs> I suppose. I don't know.
0: But Walker Smith gets warned that this is not a normal fight. This is a real, like just drag down, knock down, you-could-die kind yeah, of fight. Exactly. It's reminiscent of the early 90s movie No Holds Barred. Yeah, Hulk Hogan <laughs> and that one sure. guy. It's Zeus. 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 Hulk Hogan Zeus. And <laughs> Zeus. I remember watching that as a child at far too young an age, but I was really, really excited for a giant ring. And in the end, when they actually do the fight... It was a really, really small ring for such a prestige yeah. that that was disappointing.
2: Well, you don't want a big ring because with the bigger ring, you can run away.
0: That'd be a lot of fun if the champion came toward Walker and he just scurried
1: away. <laughs> <laughs> Climbs up the cage. <laughs> Fight with courage and respect. The more time begins. The Gior character, who's like the main, which, by the way, he is made out to be this unstoppable force. When they said Gior,
2: who was hoping that when he walked out, he was going to be like Goro from Mortal Kombat?
0: Yes. Oh, I was thinking that he would have a big gray tail with a ribbon attached on the end. (laughs) (laughs) What? What? Wait for it. Uh, There
2: it is. (laughs) I
0: get it.
1: If regret could be harvested.
2: Yeah, I was really hoping that the makeup people
1: would add multiple arms, but No, he's basically Gabe from the office plus twenty pounds. What? He was not he did Whoa. not look like an intimidating force. <laughs> no. You would think of Lennox Lewis. And this guy looks like I mean, not his... every
2: great fighter is a giant behemoth individual.
1: Correct. Connor McGregor? Fine. But humans were disallowed from this for multiple reasons. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that kept coming up was you will die. And in the actual fighting, there was nothing about the character or the fight that looked anything different than what we see with Connor McGregor. So I figure I come up here, bust a few snake heads, make a big splash in the nets. The will be begging me to fight the champ. It's the real deal, Mike.
0: At first, Walker gets rejected. You can't fight.
1: You're too human.
0: But we find one of the aliens, Caliban is his name, and he is offering to be his guide to figure out how to get into the get into this fight. And the yeah. way you get in the fight...
1: His hype man, yeah. his Don King.
0: Absolutely. His Burgess <laughs> Meredith. <laughs> yeah, anyway, he finds the way to get him a fight because at first he's like, I want to fight. And everybody, California Raisin, rejects him, saying, no, you're human, you can't fight. <laughs> And the way he gets to fight is after fight number one and the and the first alien dies and the champion is there. They ask the question of the audience, is there another challenger? And Walker <laughs> raises his hand and says, I will challenge. But Gyro, Gyro, <laughs> Gyro, yeah, Gyor, Gior has to accept. And there's this moment of tension. Is he going to accept? And I thought it would have been a lot of fun if he just looked at him and said, no, and the episode ends. And that's just... <laughs> Fade to black. <laughs> Fade to black. I think it would have been great. The episode would have been over. But when we get to this actual title fight, did you all think that Walker was going to win?
1: I wasn't thinking ahead. I was kind of bored.
0: What? For 1993?
2: It was a decent fight. Was it like Lionheart with Jean-Claude Van Damme?
1: No. but every it was... You have WWF every single night better Mm -hmm. fights there. These are not trained WWF wrestlers.
2: Well, maybe they should have been. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) I did notice there were a lot of punches to the face. There were. It is impressive in the realm of Hollywood how many punches an individual can take to the face and still stand.
0: (laughs) I didn't know the rules of this fight, but the episode's titled TKO. And within the first 30 seconds of the fight, Walker goes down three times. And I'm like, all right. That's it. Over. But then the fight kept going, and I just thought this episode title became bogus at that point. You fall down three times, you're out.
1: Yeah.
2: TKO. I don't think that's a rule. I think that's a Mike Tyson punch-out rule. Well... I don't think that that's a real Well, don't you
1: seem
0: like an idiot, because I don't know anything about boxing.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Damn snakehead caught me by surprise.
0: Well... Overall, this was the worst episode. And why? Why was this considered the worst episode? Or maybe just the worst episode for you all, too. I mean, I really
2: think it's a fireable offense to ever have anything with boxing and not have a training montage. Mm. Name any boxing movie that doesn't have a training montage.
1: Yeah. Mm.
2: That would have brought the quality of the episode up. Just to see him running around Babylon 5, yeah, <laughs> yeah, lifting I, ambassadors over his head. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> <The>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think they missed an opportunity to do something creative with an alien culture and a boxing or a fighting culture. It just looked like bad WWF night. To me, this whole episode was just a bad joke with a horrible punchline. A boxer, a soap opera actor, and a rabbi walk into a space station, and (laughs) ancient alien fighting ritual happens. It's just ridiculous. It was a
2: long story and a wet one.
0: I mean... (laughs) It was certainly that. That's the juxtaposition
1: that just didn't make sense.
0: Like, a lot of times... They'll at least be a strand of a connection between the two storylines of an episode. Well, I want to back up a little bit. I mean, I do think this is voted
2: the worst because it doesn't have the depth. I understood what was going on. I didn't really need to know any of the backstory. This was kind of a standalone episode. But I thought it was entertaining because I think the theme of the episode is about fighting. Right? You have Walker Smith, he's fighting for redemption and another title shot. You have the aliens, and they are trying to maintain their identity and their blood sport. Like, this is a part of their culture. And then you have Susan Ivanova fighting with this idea of forgiving her father. And to go back to that, it was in her room after the dinner where the rabbi, her uncle, asks, And now? that he has left for good, you cannot forgive him? No, I can't.
1: Then the tragedy is greater than I thought. Without forgiveness, you cannot mourn. And without mourning, you can
2: never let go of the pain. I don't know, like I was so impressed by her storyline as well. I just thought it was deep. I thought it was very well done. And it's something that you didn't get with Beverly Crusher and her candle. Oh, I don't think it was a
0: bad story. Like, it's fine. It's nice. But it really doesn't move the overall arc forward. This is a no. bottle episode. Here's some character development for the commander. Okay. And there's here's some character development for someone who is never on the show again. It's not great. And the idea that, oh, well, yeah, they're connected because there's disagreements in both places. No, I'm not I'm not saying that they're that they're connected
2: because of that, but I'm saying I think that was just the overall theme. This is it lacks depth like it is a standalone episode, but there, there is a tie in that everyone is fighting for kind of redemption in their own way.
1: Uh no, it's
2: maybe a loose tie, but it's <laughs> a tie nonetheless. So. No,
1: there is no tie into the overall to your point of what what makes this a good series. This episode does not fit that. Much. No, it yes, doesn't. it's consistent no, with themes, just like you said. Every good story shares certain themes, but I think that this is more character development. But I don't know. I don't. I'm not going to find out because I don't have any desire to continue watching the show. That's fair. Anything else make this a bad episode? How about all the numerous lines from the boxing champ? I mean, we already talked about oh my the long story and the wet one. He gets into a little scuffle with Garibaldi. Oh, come on, man. Don't be like Stroke that. Stroke Oh Oh, gosh You
2: didn't find that entertaining?
1: No, it was entertaining
2: Well, let's get into the series as a whole And out of the specifics of the episode
0: What I liked most about this show was the depth You can go on a Wikipedia rabbit hole adventure Like stuff that's beyond anything even in an episode Because it's such a rich universe And for me, I'm a guy who loves a rich complex world Whether that be Middle Earth Whether that be Narnia Whether that be... Uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. No. Yeah, and this is one of those... Too much. Well, this is one of those deep universes that I think is fantastic. Even though the show was fine, what actually is compelling to me is the universe in which it exists. So I don't know if I'll watch more, but I did like it.
1: To me, the look and feel of the show is not good TV. It looks cheap. It was cheap. Obviously, they they were trying to keep it rolling by coming in with their budget. <laughs> you and but- your budget, Tom. <laughs> I just <laughs> just have to pass on it every single time. Now, after I finished the episodes, I wondered if this is not really a sci-fi show. And I know what the internet says. Please don't send the hate mail or send it. I don't care. But I actually I, do send it. I would love to get would, any yeah. kind of mail from <laughs> yeah. any listener. If you are listening, <laughs> let us know somehow. But I, I just think this is a political drama. It happens to be set in the future, it happens to be set in space, but other than aliens, again, very small sample with two episodes, it just feels more like this is the West Wing in 250 years, basically is what we have.
2: I I thought it was a lot more similar to Battlestar Galactica than anything else.
1: To me, Battlestar Galactica is an awesome show. Yes. So if we both like Battlestar Galactica, how come I'm having trouble with this show?
2: Uh, Well, in Battlestar Galactica, it is more streamlined because you only have two races. You have humans and you have Cylon. So, I mean, in this, you do have much more depth. And this show does have a pretty intense following. People who really like those big world
1: environments. I think you're right uh, that Battlestar Galactica does keep things simpler.
0: Perhaps it's something much simpler. The Battlestar Galactica is a ship it's going around to different places all the time. Babylon 5 is just a station. It just sits there. Dom, does that do anything for you at all? The fact that in this show, it's just sitting there. Right, which to me is like the White House. It seems like you just hate airport terminals. That's what I'm getting (laughs) from this. (laughs) You know I do. All right, we'll call it that. So does anybody have any final thoughts?
2: Personally, I would watch more of this show, except for the fact that, It's not really streaming anywhere, and I'm really surprised by that.
1: Because the demand is low.
0: We had to, (laughs) if this was on uh, one
1: of
2: those services, this is definitely something that I think I would binge through.
0: I think Dom would as well,
2: and I'm on the fence. Right. I would not binge this show. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I want to be oh, okay. on record. And I will maintain that you already made up your mind before you even I watched it. I
1: won't disagree with that. I, I did come <laughs> in with the bias. They had it was a it was a rough first date and they had to do some impressing.
0: There was no first date. You just didn't like their tender profile. <laughs> <laughs> my my slappers with a med lab seal yet. And I bet you two beauties are a couple of brain surgeons,
1: huh? I do have to know, why did this show get five seasons and Sequest barely got two?
2: Well, this show actually won Emmys.
1: Okay, good point. (laughs) I guess I feel like, James, I know you don't love Star Trek. (laughs) I wish we would have done Deep Space Nine instead of this show. And I don't.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Two against one. (laughs)
1: Oh boy, oh boy. All right. Should we transition out of this? Let's get to our awards.
0: So the TV Yearbook Awards are given at the end of every episode. And the most iconic award that we give out, every single episode is the Extra Mile Award, which goes to the extra who is in the background and is just doing something to get noticed. What a great thing to call your parents and say, hey, mom and dad. I'm an extra on Babylon 5! <laughs> In our worst episode, when our friend Walker first approaches the the dojo, we see a bunch of guys fighting, and I'm gonna give my award to one of the fighters for two reasons. <laughs> one, he looks exactly like a long-haired alien ronin. <laughs> and number two, it's incredibly obvious that the moment he gets, quote, kicked, the foot is, like, at least 12 inches away from his face. But yet his face flops to the right immediately as though he got kicked. It was great acting. I I think he owned it. (laughs) Um, My extra mile
2: award goes to a guy in the very beginning of the best episode. When the guy with the fan head hairdo is complaining, the guy he's talking to only has three moves. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it's look and make eye contact, Mm -hmm. move head in agreement, Uh and... Roll your eyes in agreement (laughs) and then repeat for as long as you are on screen, which he did six times.
1: Very impressive.
2: So I want to congratulate him for the 18 seconds he was on screen, which, if I do my math correctly, is an eye roll every
1: three seconds. Wow. Well, my extra mile award goes to, again, in the best episode. The Ring of Scarecrows, the advanced alien race dressed in Scarecrow burlap, the one who, as the character's walking out, Mr. Hood grabs her arm, Uh nods his head. He has to do something. His entire body is covered with burlap. (laughs) The hand motions and the head nod. He had to get in there, and he did. I noticed you, Mr. Hood. I, I noticed it too, yeah. Very impressive. And I also have to give an inverted extra mile. This is the person that went the extra inch on the best episode in the, the captain is saying officers now is the time before we break protocol and would be considered mutineers leave the one now guy in the back. and of course there's one guy who just takes off his headset and walks out nothing no. to indicate that there is any emotion no stress He's not deliberating over anything. He's
2: not conflicted. He's just gone. <laughs> it's like, I can go now. I'm out of here.
0: He just wanted to go home. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right. Well, I have another award. Uh, this is not an extra mile award. But do you guys remember Crystal Clear Pepsi? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was delicious. Okay. In the background of the bar in the worst episode, I noticed a sign for the alcoholic version of Pepsi Zima. Mm. This was a drink that never took off in the U.S. It was said to taste like aluminum foil soaked in Fresca. (laughs) Now, in the show, if we're thinking about this correctly, Zima has lasted and spread into the universe in the year 2258. So Zima gets the award of, it was only possible in another dimension award.
0: That is hilarious. (laughs) That scene took place in the bar and you see that Zima Mm -hmm. side in the background. Uh, My award is the most unrealistic expectations about the future. And James, we think alike. I give this award (laughs) (laughs) to the person who said... Zima's going to be around in the future. So I give it to the set director who said, we're going to put a Zima sign right up there.
1: (laughs) Zima sign
0: goes there. Most unrealistic expectations about the future.
1: I just Googled Crystal Pepsi on eBay. A full vintage 1993 Crystal Pepsi glass bottle, 16 ounce. Guess how much on eBay? Oh, it's 50 bucks. $150. (laughs) Wow.
0: You know they brought Crystal wow. Pepsi back, James, 2 years ago. No, they didn't. Yeah, I got one at the store. And disappointing. Why didn't you call me? You're right. <laughs> it's my fault completely.
1: <laughs> well, I have one final award and it's the most likely to collect Magic the Gathering cards, never go on a date and sell comic books for a living. And that award goes to every fan of this show. Oh no. Who oh my lord. How this is the best sci-fi show out there i'm sorry i just have to i have to do it bring on the hate <laughs> jeez uh,
0: oh
2: my
1: gosh
2: <laughs> killing me Dom. that's terrible <laughs> we're
0: not cutting that award i want
2: to to read the venom oh my
0: gosh that one star review is your fault now dumb <laughs> yes, it <laughs> yes it is
2: yes it is Well, after this, our next episode is actually our season two finale, Mm. uh, which we will conclude our season of 90s sci-fi to discuss the hit show, and hopefully we're a little bit more excited about this show, (laughs) Sliders. (sighs) Are we excited about this show? very excited about sliding. Okay, good. Check us out on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or Patreon at the TV yearbook. Let us know what you think of the show and Dom and what you would <laughs> like us to do in the future. Please rate and review the show, but don't take Dom into consideration wherever you get your <laughs> oh, podcast because we do pay attention to the reviews and we would love to hear from you. We
0: want a Babylon 5-star review.
2: Oh. If regret could be harvested. And Greg, please tell us what you thought of the pineapple (laughs) harritos. What, Dom, you say it. You
0: can roll your R's. Harritos. There you go. Last week, I had the Fruit Punch Haritos. This week, I had the Pineapple Haritos. And again, generally speaking, it's delicious. This one actually has a little more sugar, it looks like. Actually, I'm lying. I have no idea how much the sugar on the last one was. (laughs) (laughs) However, if I want to compare this one to the Fruit Punch Haritos, see, you don't find a pineapple beverage very often. Like to find a craft soda that is a pineapple flavor, you don't find it very often. And I'm confused why, because it's delightful. I'm a Fruit Punch fan. But this is better this pineapple one was tastier it was more refreshing you know here we are right now uh i don't know when you're listening to this uh viewer But it's the middle of winter (laughs) uh, when we're recording this, and just sipping on this Haritos pineapple makes me feel like my isolated room of the basement is uh, a cabana. (laughs) Muy delicioso. Put a little uh, Malibu rum in that. Yeah, absolutely. uh, Elevate a little bit. Freshen your beverage, Governor. I'm not allowed to use accents in my
1: house. <laughs> Still not allowed. Still not allowed.
0: And we can't oh. uh, we can't end the episode like that. So